everyone. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Tales from the Tavern. Tales from a Tavern is a live stream broadcast every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. All of our conversation topics come from our chat, so we never really know what to expect when we go live. Grab your favorite beverage and sit back and relax and enjoy this week's Tales from the Tavern. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Tales from the Tavern. We have a super great group of people here. We've got a couple people who stayed up really late um, so they could come hang out with us today and I'm really, really excited to have them here. So let's dive right in and Rowan, we're going to start with you. Oh, hello. Hi, uh, I'm Rowan. Uh, I have come over here from, from a couple of different places. Uh, I'm over here from Chasing Tales. We are a UK... TTRPG, variety TTRPG thing. I won't say much about us because we've got another person who can cover this. Um, I'm also over here from Witch and Craft Games. We are an international indie game development company. Uh, we write games, we stream games, we talk about games. We like games. We do a lot about games. Um, yeah, that's that's me. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. Thank I'm, you. I'm so glad that, uh, like, you know, if we had to have daylight savings time, I'm glad it brought us a little bit closer to your time so you could don't have yeah. to stay up quite as late. <laughs> uh, and let's see, next we're going to go over to Andrew. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew from The First Watch, which is an actual play series uh, playing D&D 5e. Um, we've got a YouTube channel and a podcast. We like to hail ourselves as a cinematic actual play. Uh, we're all filmmakers, and so we kind of bring that cinematic flair to everything. Uh, yeah, we've got our second season that just started, and so episode two actually comes out on Tuesday in two days, uh, and we would love for having people jump on and join the adventure. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming again to hang out. I know you've been Absolutely. here once before, so um, we're glad to have you back. It was a highlight of 2020. <laughs> um, that could be said about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take much. <laughs> uh, Doug, let's go to you. Hey, I'm Doug. I'm from Good Better Quest, and we're an actual play 5e podcast. And we do, well, we do one actual Play 5e, and um, right now we're also doing a Good Better side quest uh, called A Long Errand. And it is uh, uh, Off-Worlders, which is uh, powered by the apocalypse. Uh, and uh, I, I try to play with as many other people as possible. Like, I really like going and, and, and playing with other folks. And... Yeah, and you come listen to our show because it's good. And you should come <laughs> hang out with us on Twitter because we're funny. And <laughs> and I'm also I'm also a dad core wizard, and that's it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is true. Uh well Doug, I'm I'm glad to have you back again. <laughs> um all right. Ray, we're gonna go to you next. Ooh, I'm not used to not being last. I know, but I, I want to make sure I have time to get the giveaway started. So I'm I'm gotcha, changing gotcha. up order a little bit this time. <laughs> I got you. Um, I'm Ray Mayhem. I uh, paint. I'm on Twitter. I put a lot of my painting on Twitter, paint minis. Um, I've done a couple real plays. Right now, I'm mostly just playing in my home campaign. Um... But yeah, I'm I'm like 
uh, RPG Kevin Bacon. Everybody kind of has like six degrees of separation of how they could like be related or know me. Uh, and I brought giveaways for tonight. So yes, hang around for that. So hang around for that. So I am going to uh, have Meg introduce herself. And then while Meg is doing that, I'm going to open up one of the giveaways and I will tell you all about it afterwards. Well, actually, I will let Ray tell you all about it afterwards. <laughs> so Meg, go ahead and tell everybody who you are. Hello, uh, I'm Meg. I am uh, another cast member of Chasing Tales. Uh, as Warren said, we are a UK TTRPG variety channel. Uh, we play D&D, we play Cyberpunk Red, we play lots of uh, mini arcs and one-page RPGs. Um, so for the UK people, if you guys are up at midnight watching this, that's us. Uh, I also uh, do cosplay and I am a makeup artist. Um, and I largely do projects focused on D&D and nerd stuff around that anyway. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you also for staying up late and hanging out with me tonight. Um, so, Ray, we've got the giveaway open. Tell us what you brought. <laughs> so I have two, and I think we'll be doing one around the break and yep. then one at the end. Okay. Yes. So the first thing, and I apologize if you can't see it super well. I, I, I promise they're nice, but I have this spooky little spider. There's pictures one. of that on Twitter. So if you didn't, if you can't see it now, you can look on our Twitter. And my favorite thing is it comes with a clutch of eggs. So <laughs> as a, a DM, you can play with both of those. And then I have this little dragon wormling that comes with a tiny little treasure hoard. How oh my cool gosh. Is that? I love it. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> so we're so. going to do a giveaway for the first one right after the break. Um, so exclamation point ticket to, to enter. Um, everybody gets one entry and we'll draw that one as soon as we come back from our break. And then at, if you don't win that one, um, you can stay tuned. We'll open up the second giveaway right after the, the first one ends. And we will draw that right before we close out for the night. So if you would like to win a hand-painted mini by Ray, go ahead and uh, exclamation point ticket in chat and go ahead and do that. Um, so... There you go. See, we've got our first entry already. Good job. Hey. <laughs> and uh, so let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in with our first question. And chat, if you're if you're joining us for the first time, uh, you may not know, but we take all of our questions from chat. So feel free to drop your questions right in chat. One of our moderators will make sure that we get it. Um, we also have for channel points, you can buy a ask my question next, which will bump your question up to the next one that we ask. And um, that's. 2,000 channel points? 1,000 channel points? I don't remember, but it's not a ton. So you probably already have that banked up if you've been around a little while. And um, we only have three of those available a night. So um, that way not everybody's like jumping the queue. <laughs> um, so my first question that I like to ask uh, everybody, and because I literally just had a conversation with people about this um, yesterday, is do your dice have to match Ooh. I say yes. I I like to have full sets when I play to the extent of I remember I lost uh, I had a set of dice I think a year ago when I lost one of the D10s and didn't use it until I found that D10 again because it didn't feel right. Yeah. Um I like to have dice that match I like to have dice that match my characters that I play if I can. 
It just it makes every every little game and every little role feel like extra right, extra special. I agree. I also need to have dice that match. Mine don't necessarily have to match, but they have to be thematic. Like I absolutely need thematic dice. Like my dice tray is laying here and like my rainbow dice tray and I have um a set in here from a, a game we didn't get to play this week, but I p- <laughs> I play an illusory wizard that's a tabaxi, and um, she's essentially Bob Ross. Like she has, she uses <laughs> her illusory powers to make like happy little trees, and she has a very oh, like ASMR voice. I so. love it. It's a happy little spell. It's a happy little spell, and everybody's gonna have a really nice time. Like that's oh my god, <laughs> nice. I love that's it. Well, that's my new favorite character, right? Her name is Bobble. Oh my god, <laughs> I love her. She's precious. And I, I don't love her now. Mine have to match only because I'm. I get a lot of crap for this, but like, <laughs> I only play with one complete set at a time. Like, I will never. Like, if I have to roll seven d six, I'm rolling the same d six seven times and doing the math in my head. And I'm very like methodical and like, this is my set of dice, and I have forty others, but only one comes out at a time. Yeah. Um. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just how it is. Are you guys superstitious about your dice at all? No. No. Yes. How so? How so? Depends. Depends. So, like, for me, I, uh, if somebody's been rolling badly all night and they're like, hey, can I borrow your D20 because I have to roll two D20s? Like, Heck Mm-mm. no! <laughs> You're not going to bet any of that not. bad juju on my D20. Mm-mm. Get away. <laughs> Get out of here. Persistent against bad luck. Um, because so I got a I got a set of dice that were that were I was told they were blessed dice that they were uh, they were gonna just roll great, and um, I brought them to a game and um, they rolled poorly. Uh, oh no! For, for the whole night, and then I was like, you know what? I'm a and, and then I like the set, like I really like the way they look too. And I was like, you know what? I'm not a superstitious person. I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll these guys until they start rolling right. And so I brought them to the same table uh for three different games in a row before they started rolling right and now they're the dice i use at that table and i'm in like several games with those people so like i i'm i like to have a set that's for a place or for a character and and that set that's for the place is is really making me happy right now i've yet to find one for my like go better quest character though that would really please me i like absolutely adore having matching dice i'm one of those people i i was like a secret dice goblin for a hot minute (laughs) like i didn't consider myself a dice goblin and suddenly my dice bag was full and i can barely close it um but i have i'm the same i have like dice for characters um like i have a character called maple and i have dice that have little like maple leaves in them they're so cute i I love them um but like, yeah, I, I have I have like usually two sets of dice out if I'm playing a game and a particular character um, because I play a lot of spellcasters, so it's a lot of dice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and I have several sets of dice that I got like right at the beginning when I started playing D anD D, where I've lost one of them over like the time I've had them all, and it infuriates me. I haven't used those sets since I lost those dice because I can't. I, ju- I can't yeah. do it. Like, I don't um. mind. 
The one thing I don't mind is like a singular D20 because I can understand yeah. the sentiment behind that. Yeah. I think that's cool. But like just having like a dice set where you have like four of them and the rest of them are just lost. Like, <laughs> no, <Mm-mm>. absolutely not. <laughs> The question came up because I was uh, I was actually doing a play test yesterday and me and one of the other players, we got to talking about dice because the ones that we, the particular game that we were play testing uses 3D6 and that's it. And so we got to talking about the Pixels dice. Have you guys seen those? Uh-uh. They just went live on a Kickstarter, I believe, but they are LED dice that you control I've the lights. Those. Yeah, you control mm-hmm. the lights from your phone. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And a full set is $200, like $200 US dollars. So like slightly, slightly less in euros, most likely. And uh, it's like, oh my God. I was like, there's no way I could afford that. I'm like, I could afford the D20. And then I'm like, but I can't have just the D20 because it doesn't match anything else I have. (laughs) So Mm. have you seen the ones that that are on a, a wheel? They're like... They, they look like cogs, and no. you hold it by the middle, and you spin the wheel. Oh, like the spinning That's top cool. things. Or like, yeah, oh, yes, they, I it's have like, seen those. Like, one's like a D20 and a D6 and so on and so forth, and then you just spin the wheel, and it has, like, an arrow on the top that shows you what number is mm. the number that you land on. I actually have it right here. My friend gave me a, it's a D20 ring. Oh, dice spinner ring. I've seen those. Spinny ring and you can, it doesn't work very well. But what I'm talking about looks like a hockey puck. And it has a bunch of cogs around the outside with uh, numbers on it for all the possibilities that you could roll. And you hold it by the middle and you spin that like Wheel of Fortune style. Like you spin the the wheel and then it lands on one of them. It sounds, I like the sound that it makes, but I feel like I would not be satisfied not dumping a handful of dice. Mm, Yeah. yeah. So this was something fun that I got at PAX East uh, in 2020, um, the last convention before the universe shut down. It's a D20 pin Mm. and it spins. Yeah. (laughs) So there's one like tip on the D20 that I don't know if you can see it on my camera, but it's a little bit different than the others. And so whatever that's pointing to, that's what you spun. So it's kind of fun. It mostly just sits in a cork board above my desk, but I mean, it's still fun. It's fun. Yeah. I, I remember going to, um, they had, uh, back a couple of years ago now, the like national student role-playing competition, and there I got uh, this thing, which is a rollable D4. And it's like a D4 oh, with yeah. curved edges. Nice. Like compared to like that one, which is like the regular like triangle D4. It's all like curved on the edges. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen those. I don't have one. Yeah. I remember we... seeing there was like a, tw- a Twitter thread that went around a while of um, a dice maker who only made like really awkward dice like d7s yes and and d13s and things like that the dm that we have for our cyberpunk game jack uh he's one of our friends when we first started playing DD together he bought a d9 and it is i swear to god the most disgusting thing i've ever seen (laughs) i remember that this is actually awful because it's not even like all of the numbers are on like a point or a face. They're all in different places because it's all odd numbers and it's just the worst shape. And it's, uh, no. So this is Love a D6. It. 
That's cool. Yeah. Oh, it like looks like that. a nine because it's upside down, but it's a D6. Mm-hmm. And um, and from another one from the set, this is the D4. <laughs> so, yeah, That's... those are kind of fun. They're all slightly... Mo- the rest of them are, are pretty normal, like the D20, the D8, you know, everything else. But the D6 and the D4. Um, oh, yeah. And this one is kind of like your... This is a D3. I that oh, makes me weird. that makes me uncomfortable, but I can't put into words why. <laughs> it just looks like it kind of just looks like a shiny rock. I know it does a bit. It does. It's yeah. like when you get a pack of when you get a pack of gummies and you pull out the one that's like really disfigured. <laughs> and you're like, this one went through the machine wrong. Yeah, but yeah. But you have to love it anyway because it's a gummy. So it's delicious. Yeah. All right. Well, we've had a couple of questions come in. So the first one I'm going to throw at you guys came from um, Apache1222. And he would like to know, what is your favorite creature to have as a familiar or a companion? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Ray's laughing because she likes this question. (laughs) I do. I do a lot. Um, so I will, I'm going to answer it first and I'm going to answer it twofold one as a DM and two as a player. Uh, so mm. I DM'd a game with Wolf's blood in it and he had a donkey companion who like took on a life of its own. Thunder, the wonder donkey, Thunder the wonder and, donkey. And, and, and he took on a life of its own. And I love this freaking donkey so much. I'm like, he gets to bam. Once a day, this donkey can appear wherever he wants. Like, I just, I loved him. And the way that Patrick played him was amazing. And it was in a, like, a a Discord channel. So it was play by post. And all of uh, Thunder's posts were all in capitals, which was, like, maybe the best part. So um, that was great. I love Thunder the Wonder Donkey, and he has to come back someday. And as a player, in the one arc in my home campaign right now, I <laughs> I shouldn't have had an animal companion, but I sweet-talked my way into an animal companion. And it's a Great Dane-sized dog with butterfly wings, and I <gasps> called it a pupperfly. Oh! That's amazing, and I love that. <laughs> His name is Chomp, and I love him. That you, oh you've actually reminded me of something there, Ray. Um, <laughs> in my first ever D&D campaign that I played when I was probably like 16, um, we were a party of like four, all new to D&D, uh, including the DM. And the DM basically said, um, we're taking a bit of downtime and you can buy yourselves anything from like the mundane items list that you have the money for. The mundane items list has, donkey, has a donkey on it. And donkeys are really cheap. Um, oh, cool. So our fighter bought himself a donkey, and I don't know how it came about, but we decided that this donkey was called Kick Nage because he uh-huh. looked remarkably like Nick Cage, the famous uh-huh. from two towns <laughs> over. And we took Kick Nage <laughs> everywhere. We took him into dungeons. We took him up towers. That donkey was stalwart, and we we treasured him more than we treasured each other because we were like a party of murder hobos. We were new to D and D. And we were like, I don't give, I don't give a damn what happens to any of my party members. But if anyone so much as looks at Kicknage in the wrong way, I will die for Kicknage. For Kicknage. <laughs> but yeah, familiars, familiars, I guess, is something that me and Mega kind of 
well familiar with. Um, we have we have quite a few uh, in in Chasing Tales. Um, so much so we actually played a one shot as our own familiars. We did. Oh my god, we played a little familiars one shot. It was so it was cute. So- um, so my character's familiar. My character in in our D and D campaign is a is a circle of spores druid, um, and she at one point in the campaign had a bit of downtime. Like I was playing another character for about four weeks, and in that time, I asked my DM, "Hey, do you think I can like come back to the party with a cool familiar? I've got a really cool idea for it." And he goes, "Yeah, okay, okay. What what's it going to be?" And um, I decided that over the time that she was away she lives on like a tropical island and at one point she comes across this little frog that's been attacked by birds and like is dying and or dead and she goes no I'm not going to let this frog die I really care about this frog I'm going to heal it and she heals this frog kind of and it comes back as an undead frog with a mushroom growing out of its back like Bulbasaur Uh, and her name is Lily uh, and she is the bane of our party's ranger because whenever the ranger yeah. tries to use like primeval awareness or anything like that, the DM's like, "Yes, you get a sense of undead," and he just goes, oh, "Undead." It's the frog, isn't it? It's the frog. Yes. Oh. <laughs> it was my little zombie frog, same. and I love her very much. We we have a ranger and a paladin, so that happens a lot. <laughs> um, I actually started that D and D campaign with a. A, a mount, as opposed to a familiar, but like, he's he's my best friend. Um, his his name is Willow. He's a jackalope. Um, so I I played a gnome. So he was my he was my mount. And uh, yeah, like we got to the point where like we have my my rogue character who's uh, she's a scout rogue. So she's very like uh, basically a ranger, but just a rogue. Um, and then we have like a ranger and a druid so we we all ended up being very protective of this mount um so much that we call ourselves the willow protection squad because if willow ever goes down in a fight he is the first one to get healed (laughs) no matter what um and we love him very much he goes down and half the table are just like no (laughs) (laughs) gotta go I didn't even think about that. If something happens to Chomp, I will cry at the table. Exactly. Will I? I won't be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing will happen to Chomp. (laughs) And then uh, our our friend Prue. um, We. So one of the first things we ever did in this campaign is before I joined as well. Yeah, this was like at the first thing we did when we got together as a party was uh, this woman was like, oh, my uh, my nephew, like my brother's son has gone missing. Like he's a, he's a kid, like we don't know where he's gone. Can you guys like go out into the woods and find him? Like we don't want to, we're just like commoners. But can you guys go and like see if you can find him or whatever? Uh, we, ed- there ended up being a forest fire while we were trying to find this kid. Uh, unfortunately, we did not find him before he breathed in too much smoke. Um, but we did find a baby fox who for some reason could talk Uh, now in this homebrew world that Andrew built souls are kind of fucky Uh, so what we ended up finding out is this this little boy uh, his soul hadn't gone to the silver sea to the gods to, to, to peace it had been absorbed into this baby fox and this baby fox also, we eventually discovered 
had wild magic. Like a oh, wild no. magic sorcerer. So at one point he got very scared and we came back to where we'd left him and he'd summoned a unicorn by accident. Oh. Um, and yeah, like Hope, uh, Prue's character, uh, was also a wild magic sorcerer. So they had a cute little like bond with this like baby fox. Uh, and we ended up calling him Nitwit. And he is actually like the symbol for our stream. Like our, our stream logo is a little fox like curled around a D20. And Nitwit is Nitwit. just like... <laughs> Nitwit is just our boy. We love him. Uh, our channel points are called Nitbits. Oh like, my gosh! <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> role uh, in our Discord. Yeah, the role in our Discord for the fans of our show. They are the Nitwits. The Nitwits, yeah. That's so cute. So we, we have a lot of familiars and we're very protective of them. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> we, love, we love them. I love that. Um, I don't typically play characters that have familiars or companions. Um, mostly because, I, well, right now I play a lot of Pathfinder. And there are so many crunchy rules to remember in Pathfinder First Edition that if I try to remember to have to do a, a companion animal as well, all bets are off. <laughs> like, I literally have post-it notes stuck to the bottom of my monitor, like, with notes about things I have to remember about my character. Um, I still have one from a previous campaign that I streamed on another channel that says sneak attack on flank because I never remembered to take my sneak attack damage, so... <laughs> Yeah. But Evie, my Wednesday night character, can turn into a bear. So there's that. That's fun. Yes. A shapeshifter is a ranger archetype in Pathfinder First Edition. So so she can shapeshift into a bear once per day. So I'm a character with some Ursine tendencies. Durak is a barbarian who has this season become an accidental druid and um, he comes to a bear sometimes. <laughs> accidental druid is the best type of druid. <laughs> indeed, accidental, indeed. accidental druid is the name of my indie rock band. Right? right? Yeah, very much. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so you're saying so, that he's a barbarian? Barbarian. Oh, oh. oh Luna. Can we kick Luna so from her own though. stream? <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> so all of my all of my familiars, companions, steeds across different games are called Fleece, um, F L E E C E. Um, I don't know why. I just decided that that was kind of like a, a fun name. Um, so it's kind of like my own like little mini multiverse <laughs> across everything I'm part of. But my favorite one that I've used has been a spider. Um, and I was playing a, a, a warlock detective. And so having a spider familiar packed the chain, you know, the whole deal, um, I could, I mean, I could get information from anywhere and, you know, they crawl around and up into corners and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's probably more of a mechanical preference than like, oh, I'm like enjoying having bonding time with my little spider, but, uh, <laughs> But it is, it is fun. And of course, you know, the DM did a good job in that game of making sure that there was a character who was deathly afraid of spiders. And I was like, awesome. Excellent. Perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. All of my characters are deathly afraid of spiders because <laughs> it's not hard for me to act out because I am deathly afraid of spiders. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Every I think character Rowan, I... Rowan has the opposite problem. <laughs> I'm yeah, playing playing a spores druid who is all like, yeah, I, I bond with the the rejected parts of nature while being a massive arachnophobe is a little bit hard. <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, Hemlock is there, it's like, oh yeah, it's a beautiful spider, it's crawling up the wall, and Rowan's just like, no! <laughs> Andrew, stop making the Minecraft spider noises, please! <laughs> I end up, like, trying to have a pet in every campaign that I play, because that's just, like, who I am as a person. And I was thinking about it, and the one campaign that I didn't, I kind of adopted one of the players because he was playing. <laughs> he was playing a Yordle, which, if you don't, if you're not familiar with like Riot games, think the size of a gnome, but like Ewok cuteness, like tiny <laughs> and fuzzy and cute. And he was a, a pirate Yordle, and my character like treated him like a baby, and she loved him, and like we he was her familiar and i was like you're a playable character but you're also like baby (laughs) (laughs) i will carry you if i have to (laughs) oh i did we i made a baby bjorn it was great (laughs) he would get drunk and i would carry him in the pouch (laughs) oh my gosh that's amazing That's fantastic. All right, let's see. I have another question from Zeal Zaddy. And the question is, do you like serious soap opera storylines in your D&D? For example, PC had a baby with another PC's brother. A PC's father is sleeping with the evil incubus that is trying to take over the town. (laughs) Um, I'm going to throw Doug under the bus here to tell a story because he created... We're in in this world that we play in. The DM has does a really good job of making all these different parts feel like different things. And the one campaign that Doug and I play in is based on like Coachella. So it's supposed to be this like crazy music festival, but you need to tell them about Thorin. Cause he showed up in this, like, this is where Bobble is like happy little Bobble. And then Doug showed up with this story and I was like, and it's so good. And every time like a piece of it comes up, it's just so good. So I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry, boo. Right, um, now, um, all right. So I think that it is first. I think it's important that you're like the everybody at your table, like at least is on the same page about this, right? Like everybody at the table needs to be in terms of, you know, how how far is this going to go in what direction or whatever right but i think that it, i think that having those sorts of backgrounds and those sorts of of like flavor things in a story are really really solid and um i think that i'm trying to um so so like we invest our characters with these really deep backstories, right? And we like we give them um, all these motivations. And one of the things that um, this this one DM that I really like, um, we we have this sort of running joke that we're all just serious people in clown suits, and that's kind of how our our best characters are. They're like from the outside, they're really goofy, and in, in the in the on the inside, they're really earnest. And so. I think having those soap opera type storylines and having those um, 
sort of sorted backgrounds for characters just adds weight to them, you know, just adds um, um, gravity, right? I was actually having a conversation with a friend about this the other day because I was talking about how in our home game, um, I, I, which I DM, I was feeling like oh, I'm having a hard time getting, like feeling like giving the, the players enough reason to like really latch on. Like they're going up against a, a dragon right now and there was a legit, and this was funny, but there was like a legit 20 minute conversation of, do we need to fight this dragon? Like we could just <laughs> skip town. Like no one, we're not. We're literally the only reason is it's the right thing to do, which is fine. But I, you know, I realized kind of backtracking for myself, I, I didn't give them enough personal hooks and stakes throughout the game to like get their teeth sunk into to a real reason to do this. And and I think it's a you know obviously I think that you know maybe you could take it so far that you know some people feel like oh this is just a soap opera and it doesn't have the high adventure i want but but there are those elements of like personal stakes and and i think i tried to stay away from that for a while because i didn't want it to be a soap opera and i was like well of course that person who shows up is your old you know boyfriend from whatever like how convenient is that but like also, that's the fun of it. It's like, you know, you are this. These are the stars of this story. These are the the main characters of this world uh, that you're playing, and they get to have those fun dramatic moments. Uh, mm. They're not NPCs. Yeah, I think sometimes you can get handed a player backstory as a as a GM that just has so many like little nice little hooks in it that you can just like you know make a story really personal. Um, so I. Uh, before the pandemic happened, I was a GM of a Monster of the Week game with a bunch of my friends. And one of them said, um, so my my character is, it's set in, in Paris. Uh, and he said, my character's from America, but had to leave America, um, but has left behind like an ex. Uh, so of course I bring the ex to Paris. Of course you bring the ex to Paris. It's right there. You um, have a choice. It's yeah. right there. Like, you've handed me this wonderful piece of, of juicy little trauma. You think I'm just going to leave it? No. Um, and as far as players go, in our current uh, D&D uh, Ravnica, Witchcraft Ravnica game, uh, my character's currently in the middle of a, of a love triangle um, with two other PCs. Uh, and that's very fun, because I've never played a character like that before. Um, but suddenly you've got two, like, I've got my character's ex-girlfriend and my character's current kind of fling. Like, just, there's a bit of a, there's a, I get, I get doted on so much, it's lovely. <laughs> I love it. I've got so much attention. 10 out of 10, that sounds great. Like, sign me up for that IRL, right? <laughs> I think the most, like, soap opera thing I've ever run as a GM is... Uh, I was I was running uh, Curse of Strahd, and uh, I had a player who had previously because I it was like the second time I ran the campaign because the first time I tried running it I fucked up and TPK'd everyone. Um, oh, whoops! So, <laughs> whoops. Uh, yeah. I kind of so love I, that though. Yeah. Snaps. I kind of. But it meant that there was a player who had made a character for the game who got TPK'd in his first session, and I felt so bad. <laughs> I was like, you be in, the, be in this next campaign, like, it's fine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but, it, but what made it really cool is she made it so her next character 
was uh, the wife of her character that had originally died. Uh, like oh. coming to Barovia to like search for her lost husband. Oh, um, kind of love that. And That's genius. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. So what it meant for the campaign was all the stuff that they had done in the first campaign had already happened in the second campaign. So for them, they didn't get Irina. She had already been handed over. Whoops. Um, but uh, it meant that I got to play with that and I brought her husband back as a revenant because revenants are kind of a thing in Barovia Uh, and it ended up being that they went to the Amber Temple she picked up the Staff of Frost which makes you crave power above everything else Uh, so immediately went upon herself to touch all of the sarcophagi in the Amber Temple which kind of turned her into a bit of a cryptid for a while. But also, one of the sarcophagi is you can bring someone back to life. And I made it so that, like, because her husband being a revenant, his whole thing was he died in the doorway of the Amber Temples. So he never got to go in and, like, complete that area. So his whole thing was he was going to be there, wait for his wife or the next adventurers to come along, guide them through the Amber Temple, be there to fight with them. And then that would be his, like, thing finished, you know, and he could, like, settle. Um, But because she had this ability from one of the sarcophagi, when he started fading as he left the temple, she used that ability and actually brought him back to life as a human person. And it was just, like, so nice because she got that moment of, like, completing what she came to Barovia to do, to, like, find her husband and bring him back. And it was just, like so sweet and lovely and it's such a great idea for like multiple games with the same players to to if if they're open to it to like continue the world and i you know i think about season two of you know critical role being set in the same world but you know 20 years later and the way they can tie things in and you know just how much higher the stakes were for for yes the character but that player going into to that second campaign of like okay and these things matter and that's such a hard thing to because there is a i mean it it is very easy to just become murder hobos and have fun doing that but like to really feel like this matters um well done that's that's awesome you were able to give them that i know so exciting and she like she made it so like they had kids and stuff that they had to go back to so like the you know the motivation to survive barovia and get out and go back home was you know absolutely up there um yeah it was just it was so nice even if gary was just a bit of a shithead pirate and kind of deserved to die um because he bless him like he died in the amber temple because he stood in the doorway and just allowed himself to get killed but you know it's fine we don't we don't talk about it. <laughs> i think one of the sto- oh go ahead doug no, no, no all right uh one of the um one of the sort of soap opery things that happens in um in our show is um all right so i i dm um uh david you can find him as at stag underscore horn i think he's my boy y'all should check him out he's a good dm but uh he has one of the things that he's done we're on season three of our show and in season one he introduces this this npc 
who is this like super cool, super slick, powerful person. And he brings her in for just a moment and like saves the day with her once or twice. And then in season two, she's in there a bunch. And one of our characters like falls for her hard. And, um, but in the, but before, before that, like, David has it set up so that like that character has relationships not like not like amorous relationships but relationships with like everybody in in our party that like he's had like one-on-one conversations with us with this person including this one who is very much in love with Moth. Moth is the is the character's name. And now in season 3 we've just discovered that Moth is like one of the most wanted people in the kingdom. And our um, and and she has this horrible backstory. And now, though, my character has a loyalty to her as like a as a as a fellow fighter. Just they they survive some shit together, some stuff together that he's you know like on her side now. Period. And then we had this other character at our party who was in love with her and isn't going to like betray her. And so now our characters in this very real. Uh, conflict where are we going to be loyal to this person that saved our lives and who we have these relationships with or are we going to be loyal to the school that we work for that's paying us to go capture her um, and that's going to be the like really the root of season 3 like the really the heart of the conflict in season 3 is that and it could be soap opera but it's not played that way mm-hmm when you can have a gm that can set up moments like that like those those truly hard like knife twist choices it like it feels so bad but so good at the same time it's it's one of my favorite parts i think of, t- of playing ttrpgs is just being in those moments as a player and if i've ever managed to make it happen with my own players as a gm and not even like the moments where it's like a hard like yes or no or like a moral questioning um <clears throat> dev our our dm is he is magnificent like i will die for this man like he is just so good and he does this thing so well that you don't even realize it's happening until after it happens where you'll get a little piece of character exposition from someone's background and like sometimes it is heartbreaking and sometimes it is just like confusing but it's it's done so well and so tight and so small that it, it creates a moment of tension without actually creating a moment of tension does that make any sense because like your character doesn't perceive it you as as the player perceives it and like you know you fall a little bit in love with the dm and you're like okay fine i'll deal with that later but it's also it's like you don't get feels for a good storyteller you don't really have feelings and i will fight you on that um but i I think i'm i'm dating my dms (laughs) well there you go (laughs) rest my case so. It's, it's funny because my my wife does not watch uh, streams, so she will not know this information. So I can share it here. But when we think <laughs> about those like <laughs> those like long thread things, like she gave two and a half years ago when we started our home game, she gave me a backstory for her bard in which she lost a child, not like dead, but like a child was taken from her um, very early on because of like magical powers or something. 
what she doesn't know is that that dragon I mentioned that they're all fighting, uh, the general of that army is her adult <gasps> son, who had oh. been who has been raised by others, and they're about to find out that. Oh, 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 oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I have a very very similar thing where um the monster of the week game that I run that is currently suspended um my one of my players is my girlfriend and started playing in that campaign before she was my girlfriend. Um, and I'm as just she, saying. I know, right? <laughs> this happens. Um, Science. And she, yeah, she comes in and she says, um, I'm playing this character that's very, you know, cynical and very nihilistic. Uh, she's um, uh, in Monster of the Week, she's playing the spooky playbook. And their whole deal is like the sort of um, the like possessed person archetype, the prophet, the seer kind of thing. And she said her character has had a vision of her own death. And that's why she's so cynical, because it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to die at some point, so I might as well just go out and do all these things. Um, and the way that it managed to fall in the planning of the campaign was that the one way that she can prevent her own character from dying is siding with the bad guy that they're currently halfway through killing. And, like, they, it's this big, long event that they have to do to kill this bad guy, and she's not going to be able to find out that it's this bad guy who can stop her from dying until very near the end and Ooh. because we've been suspended this campaign has been suspended for so long it's going to be so long until she can find that out uh. and it's just eating away in me of like i set that up before we were dating we were just sort of friends she was new to ttrpgs what is she gonna think of me when i like I'm like hey hey babe we've been together for like two and a half years here you go <laughs> like how's she gonna I mean, look at me for oh that? yeah by the way <laughs> yeah. in our, just don't uh, do it like on a birthday or anniversary <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh my god okay i'm i'm about to i'm you're about, about to... to win this one i know where you're going with <laughs> so uh so me and my me and my my partner andrew who is our dm uh we used to look i don't know if you heard that but, um <laughs> But we used to live together, uh, and we recently just stopped doing that because we both got different jobs in different places, you know, all of that jazz. Um, but because it's pandemic, we haven't been able to do an awful lot of visiting each other. Uh, so I came to visit him um, at the end of November last year, uh, and I was here for two days total. One of those days happened to be the evening that we played D&D. You know what? You know what? You want to know what happened on that one evening? He killed my character. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him. I can hear him in the background. Andrew protesting, yeah. but he's not allowed because he's not on this stream. Um, <laughs> yeah. So from yeah, one Andrew I, to I another. Protest. No. You have to get. You have to book your <laughs> time. <laughs> And then I had to, I had to like get on the train and go home the next day. Like, oh. bye, love you, I guess. <laughs> we we played on my wife's birthday, and she was like, "You're not gonna." And I was like, "You're immune. It's fine. This is the one day that you're immune." <laughs> but uh, hopefully, in the next game, she is coming back. Mm -hmm. So, Meg, we, we, we just... spent. The we just need to plan it and like line up where every time we have like a big battle it's on like one of our birthdays or on like you know something oh where it's like if, if he if he kills one of our characters it's a me it's mean we need to work it's out mean, the timing yeah. 
We so do. I thought you know, I we've had survived a surprising amount the past couple weeks. So. I am I am with you too. I am I am looking toward you on my screen. I am with you. I think if you make a cute enough face that your DM should let you slide with shit, and I get you're oh I'm infuriated when I'm told no. And like <laughs> there was a game where I got a text message on the side that was like, Did you just stomp your feet? And I was like, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We don't like the no word. <laughs> is that what th- isn't that what improv is all about though? The yes and yes and mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. right. Oh my goodness! I so going back to the question about you know like the drama and stuff in a in a TTRPG um, and how that can drive your characters. Um, so I played a game on a stream, <laughs> Staghorns and Chat going, improv's all about nah. <laughs> um, I played a character in a streamed game who uh, who had basically had fallen in love with, an, with one of the NPCs um, who eventually became somewhat central to part of our story. And so she... <laughs> basically there was a big battle in the town that they were in he being a ship captain was like trying to load people onto his boat and evacuate them from the town because the town was being um just invaded by all of these goblins and so he was just like get out get out get out get on my boat let's go and um we were hoping that he would have been able to do this before the attack happened like our plan was to we knew the attack was coming we were wanted to get people out ahead of time anyway didn't happen that way and so as he's loading people onto the boat his ship gets blown up and can't find him anywhere like we can't find him in the water we can't find him on land nobody's seen him so my character like that literally that whole thing literally changed how her character leveling progressed um she was gonna go she was a rogue and she was gonna go straight rogue and and then when that happened she actually took a level of fighter and then um you know through who she was hanging out with you know while they were still in the town um she then took a level of ranger so she was a rogue fighter ranger and lo and behold they did end up finding the guy and he ended up um you know they they found him they brought him back to town he was obviously like horrific ptsd and all of that stuff because he had been kidnapped and blah 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 all this terrible stuff had happened well then we figured out when he got back to town why he was so different was because he had actually been possessed and like the demon came out like in the town and i was like that's it you know <laughs> i was not having i any love of those that. those late reveals and yeah. just yeah the things that really make your your table just like well when we all could be around the table like jump out of their seats that's oh it's the best yeah mm-hmm. Some good good moments good moments yeah it's the thing about i mean we, we, we had also- <laughs> sorry go ahead go ahead i'm sorry I'm not going to go into the whole story because it was an eight hour long session. Um, but <laughs> we we had one session before the pandemic. It was like one of the last sessions we played before lockdown uh, where we like discovered mind flayers for the first time in the game and we were level five and it was terrifying. Um, and yeah, we played for about eight hours and there was a lot of like clutching each other and crying. Uh, 
We, we leveled what, what I miss. <laughs> yeah, we, we leveled up twice in that session. In yeah. one session, we went from level five to level seven. Damn, Because uh, just Bad. so much happened. <laughs> yeah. Roma. So What's nine, the longest session you've ever played? Eight, I nine think, hours. I think yeah, it was like that. It would have been that hours. one. Yeah. yeah. Five, Five, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe mm -hmm. f like four for sure, but maybe five. Yeah. That's insane. Streaming. I don't think I could do that again, though. Streaming no, it was very eight. tiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not to downplay the other half of that question of like the, the fun flippant part, because like some of that stuff is really fun, too. And like our DM dropped this thing on us in the last game that we played. And we're in we're in like a, a desert scape that's kind of it feels like very stranger things like a dune-esque but like the sunset and hasn't risen there in three days so it's like a pocket of darkness and he brought us this drow character riding a spider and he called him a drow boy and I'm dead <laughs> <laughs> his name is Silas the drow boy and I'm just like I would die for him. I would die, like, by the like, name Al alone. Allison plays with us. She's she's in the stream, and, like, like spoiler alert, my character kind of likes her character, but, like, now Silas is a competitor, too. Like, just Ooh. the fact that it's Silas, Silas the, drow the Drow Boy, boy. I'm just, like, Phew. it's just, it's so good, right? Mm -hmm. Like, shit like that tickles me. Like, if you can, if you can come up with, like, little funny pithy things like that like i just i'm i'm here for it yeah i love that, that like when a gm can like break out an npc with a stupid name or a stupid voice or something like that like the like moments in in like critical role where matt mercer will just break out the worst voice and the entire table loses it like <laughs> that gets me that gets me in in my heart and i love it so much because it's just those moments what, what's your what's your most puntastic npc you've ever run. Because oh, I just ooh. gave my party Greta the Grung Gunslinger, which, <laughs> okay. makes, her a, which, makes, which makes her a Grungslinger. Oh, and I'm very proud of that. That's very good. <laughs> that's very good. Two, two NPC names. They're not, they're not mine. They're, they're, they're my friend David, my, my dear, dear DM David Staghorn. Uh, he has, we have a, a orc bard named Front Back. And, <laughs> oh my uh, god! It's like F R U H N T B A H K or something like that. Oh, from uh, back and then um, Professor Professor Nedrag Ivilo, which is Olive Garden backwards. Yes! Oh my god! I heard oh about that. God. I heard about that a few weeks ago when he was on. <laughs> that one wins. Nedrag that one wins. <laughs> yes, yeah, you guys will have to go back and uh, and check out the episode. It's on YouTube now when David was on just a couple weeks ago because he literally put the question out to everybody on the stream and chat to help him come up with stuff. It was incredible, the things that people were coming up with. So do recommend. <laughs> yeah, I, I it came up in a, a in a campaign I was planning but never got to run, which I wanted to make like, um you know, like goofy camp evil one shot of like mm -hmm. not not an e an evil one shot but you know you play little um you played like the the grunt force of the of the evil regime uh, and the the dark overlord's name was literally dark overlord in latin his <laughs> his name translated was dark overlord dark overlord 
And I'm, I'm upset that I've never got to run that campaign and one day I will do it just because it was so campy and all of the characters' names were like their titles just translated into Latin. Um, so like Dark Overlord or like Evil Horsemaster or something like that just translated into Latin. And it mm-hmm. it's it's fun. It was just fun and stupid. <laughs> I played in a campaign once that there was a Kenku NPC and the DM had a soundboard and the, the name of the Kenku yes. was the was the sexy saxophone part from the beginning of um um Careless Whisper? That, uh, no, yes, Careless yeah. Whisper. Thank you. Thank you. That's that amazing. was his name. That was his name. Oh. So did you then have to every time you wanted to be like, hey, we would we Definitely would tr- we would try to call him Careless Whisper, and the DM's like he doesn't respond to that, and I'm like ah. <laughs> <laughs> you have I to sing it every you time. It. I want to make a Kenku whose name is the opening to the uh, the We Shop Channel music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's evil. That's yeah. that's chaotic evil right there. <laughs> I had a I had a character that uh, people who have, have watched me on this stream before have probably heard this already but I had a character who had a theme song once well a couple of times but uh this particular one was a dragon rider and so uh every time she would get on her dragon because she loved being a dragon rider so much um the music from never ending story would come on and she'd be like yeah so <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, if we're talking about pun names, there is someone that I have to mention. Uh, A good, good friend that we love. I think he's in the chat. Uh, Our friend Jordan, who's in the chat as the true stav, who is... Has the has a command of puns that I genuinely don't think any person should or could have. Um, <laughs> I love them already. The two that love. come to mind is we played in a one shot that Meg ran, uh, that was like a pre gen um, horror one shot where Jordan played a grung. Uh, Jordan really likes grungs, and he played a grung um, who didn't talk, completely silent throughout, um, whose name was Axel Finch. And towards the end of the campaign, at the end of the one shot, he was like, yeah, he, he looks over to you and just says the word crazy, hops on a motorbike and leaves because his <laughs> grung was, was Axel F, a.k.a. the person who wrote Crazy Frog. Oh my um, gosh. And the other one, yeah. that, that hurt me. That I think genuinely uh, hurt me. It was the fact um, that like I had just run a whole game about like a fucking evil priest and like for, oh. and then <laughs> the other one the other one that he's currently doing is in our, our cyberpunk red game where I, I don't know cyberpunk red very well but as far as I'm aware there's like his character is a, is an impersonator and there's like a type of thing where you can be like somebody else or something uh, his character is a Robin Hood impersonator called Bobbit Hoot um, and his whole thing is he is a he has given himself plastic surgery to look like a bad cartoon version of Robin Hood. Oh, so, um, priceless. Yeah, and he's like really good at archery mechanically in the game. Yeah, <laughs> like he's gone full. Mm. <laughs> so, but I know we have to break soon. But we like do. my my whole thing is I come up with stupid ideas for characters, and like. 
Like, I want to play a game where I'm a sentient hat piloting a mon- uh, a mannequin. Like, just <laughs> stupid shit. Well, so, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, the one that I bring up almost every time I'm here is I played in a game where I was a dwarf named Spicy McHaggis. And it was after <laughs> there's a there's a band called the Dropkick Murphys and their bagpipe player's name is Spicy McHaggis. And there's a, a song called the Spicy McHaggis Jig. And it's all about how he hunts the like the country for women over 400 pounds. And like that's what it was a bard who played the bagpipes who loved like like Goliath women. Like that was <laughs> that was the whole that was the whole character. Yeah. Whole and yet character. that is a complex, rich character full of potential. Just born from born from a meme. Just totally. born from shenanigans and fuckery. Like that's that's it um, right there. Like, I have also j- I've just remembered one last one that okay. I will do very briefly, um, which is a, a character that I played in a Monster of the Week game that I had to that unfortunately fell through, uh, who was the chosen one. And her whole thing, it's set It's set in a place that's very local to myself. It's set in, like, the moorlands, quite close to where I live in the UK. And her whole thing is, um, she is she is the chosen one of nature. She works for the nature reserves and against this kind of evil, magical corporation that we've sort of been hired for. Uh, her name is Laura Axford. She speaks for the trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it! I love that so much! <laughs> I think I've killed Ray. <laughs> And this is probably a good time to take a break so Ray can now protect herself <laughs> and not die. <laughs> so we will be back in a few minutes. Um, if you haven't entered the giveaway, make sure you do exclamation point ticket. We will draw the first winner uh, right after the break, and then we will open the giveaway for the second. And uh, so we'll see you in just a few minutes. Hey, so we're back. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, and we need to draw a giveaway winner. So, uh, uh, Ray has the first giveaway right there. It's a little mini dragon wormling, excuse me, and a a treasure hoard. So make sure it's so sweet. Um, exclamation point ticket, get your last minute entries in. I'm going to close the giveaway in just a second. I'll let it. Let it go for just a minute. All right. Drum roll, please. Giveaway is now closed. Winner is Jeggy Cesara. Jeggy, are you still hey. in chat? Got to speak up to win. Otherwise, I'll pick another winner. Hitting Jeggy with it. Yay! There he is. All right. So, um, Jeggy, uh, Jeggy Cesara, I will connect with you. Um, or if you want to message one of our moderators, um, we will get uh, get that giveaway to you. And now we are going to open another giveaway. Believe it or not, what? for I yet. Another hand-painted mini from Ray, because Ray's awesome. So there we go. Exclamation point ticket if you would like to win uh, an awesome little spider. uh, And we will draw the winner of that one at the end of the stream. And that one comes with like a little... A little clutch of eggs. Clutch I've been calling eggs. it a, a happy little nightmare. Yeah. Of- <laughs> Sounds about right. Thanks. <laughs> Excellent. All right. 
So let's dive back in. Uh, congratulations, Jeggy Cesara. And we are going to drive back into our questions. Uh, we got a couple that came in just before the break. So uh, one came in from Vertrox Nightblood. What is the coolest homebrew item that you have either created or received in D&D? And then Staghorn piggybacked off that and said, what's the coolest homebrew item you've seen in your game? <laughs> Um, mm. As far as ones that I've created, um, one that I'm quite proud of, but I've never got to use, is a little item called the Pocket Crowd, um, which is a little like figurine statue of a crowd that uh, you can use an action to throw it, and then it'll explode into an illusory crowd of people that will mimic the actions of people around it. So um, if you throw it into like a, a celebration, people will start celebrating. If you throw it into a crowd, like a morning. Pr- Per, like party they'll all stop mourning and then there's a thing where if you throw it where the emo- emotions are mixed it, it'll all just act with mild bemusement um, <laughs> and I've never gotten to use it yet um, but I really like the That's idea of, say, of like a rogue and they've got nowhere to hide so they just make a crowd of people to hide in um, and then awesome. one, ones that I've seen I don't know who made it I found it on Pinterest uncredited unfortunately but it's one of my favourite things which is called the Decanter of Infinite Bees um, where it, <laughs> yeah, and it's a jar that when you break it, it's like three d twenty swarms of bees come out. I um, love that, and that's, that's it. They don't terrifying. they don't respond they don't respond to you. They're not friendly or aggravated. It's just a lot of bees. Uh, and again, our friend Jordan used it in a one shot once. It's just love this it. jar. Yeah. It was a jar we found on a shelf that was just labeled "Do not break." Um, yeah. and it was the jar of bees. I want to. I want to give a, a special mention to the item that I made for my character for that one shot, because uh, I made a uh, a, dr- a drunk monk, as I like to call them, um, and she had a decanter of endless whiskey, yep. which was basically just a little like flask, but instead of water, it was. <laughs> I know of a cool one, actually. I know, I know of two cool ones, and you made me think of that. Um, Meg is in the Lawful Grand Adventures podcast. Um, the one that I was thinking of originally was, uh, they call it the Thieves Candle, and it's a candle that when an unlit match passes over the top of it, it creates darkness for like a cast so radius. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. Which I thought was really awesome. And then um, the other one that they have also in the same podcast is um, it's a mug that one character has and his, his like his goal is to be the toughest guy in whatever town they're in or city they're in. So if he gets dubbed the toughest guy in that city they etch the name on the mug and then hit the mug every time he wants a drink he can pull out the mug put water in it and then decide which city he wants it to be from and it'll it'll change into the drink of whatever that city is so like one town they had like juniper juice which you know was gin and um you know so he'd be like i want juniper juice or you know whatever and it would turn into gin and yeah, it was. I think that I thought that was really cool. <laughs> a lot of drinking-based magic items, which yeah, I approve of. You know. <laughs> so we were talking. They were talking in the break. I was listening about playing barbarians, um, and my best homebrew item was for a barbarian, which were the gauntlets of overqualified confidence, and it was. <laughs> it was for whenever because a barbarian always like 
believes that they are more charismatic than they are, or smarter than they are. So whenever you had to make a check that was not an area that you had proficiency in, you got to roll with advantage. If you um, rolled with advantage and you got a d20 until your next long rest, you were able to claim proficiency on it, and you could only activate them twice a day. But to regain the charges, you had to punch someone in the face, specifically the face in combat. And if you didn't, if you didn't specify that, it didn't count. But that's how you got your charges back. And it was so fun. Like it was just <laughs> so, so fun. Because you gave someone who wanted to beat things this thing, like, hey, you're gonna back yourself into a corner. And I know you're gonna back yourself into a corner. So Here's this thing that'll get you back out of it. And in order to fix it, you can either wait till a long rest or you can punch bad guys in the face. And and in that campaign, there were two characters that didn't get along. So sometimes the gnome got punched in the face, which was funny as well. Um, it's for the good the, of the group, though. Yeah, right? Like, it was, it was necessary. Sometimes you gotta punch a gnome, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Sometimes. You know? Just got it. Um, I think I think the cast of Roll the Dumb Dice would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and the coolest one that I've seen in our home game, uh, we had a player who had to leave for like personal reasons, which is unfortunate because the last game that he played, he had this. He revealed that he had this sword that the handle was made out of an immovable rod. So, like, whenever he would, like, drive it into something until he would recall it. So his immovable rod was, um, it was, like, word-triggered and it was attuned to him. So he would call it from, like, wherever he was. And the joke was that, like, across the Empire, there's these, like, perfectly, like, sword-shaped holes, like, through mountains and underground. (laughs) Because it would, like, come to him and it was, like... Thor waiting for his hammer, right? And you could hear yeah. it going like, chung, chung, chung. and we were, <laughs> which that was cool enough. But what was born of it is like all the schools of conspiracy thought that went along with it. That like, there's one guy named Jeremy who's like, yeah, it's like an enchanted sword that somebody's been calling because like every time he does it, it leaves, it leaves this trail, right? And then other people are like, no, it's the worm people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracies about the sword shape. <laughs> I think the coolest magic item that I've had a chance to play with is one that Andrew made for our D&D campaign. Um, and it is called the Soul Zephyr. Um, it is a magical bow um, that was gifted to the gnomes by an archfey. Um, and it... Uh, you know, functions like a normal bow. It does an extra 2d6 force damage. 1d6, sorry. I got corrected. (laughs) Um, And uh, if you take something to zero hit points with with the shot, you can choose to go to where that arrow is. So if you, you can like leap over to wherever they are like no matter how far away shadow of mordor style just kind of like it's so cool the amount of times i've had it described of like my tiny like furious gnome barbarian shoots this arrow and then like bumps over and lands on the chest of a giant or something it's just (laughs) it's just infinite cool moments 
It's so good. And the like the sort of out of combat feature of it is because it's uh, you know got all the fae magic and stuff in it. Um, the story of where the bow has been is like inscribed on it, and then uh, it, the story continues, but it changes depending on what happens. So you can almost like it almost predicts the future uh, in in vague, tiny doodle kind of ways. Um, awesome. But it's very cool because sometimes, like, if we do something big in the campaign, I'll be like, "Oh shit!" I'll check what's on the bow because mm-hmm. if that has changed, that might mean something else is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was, it's a very cool little little thing, and we found out that it was actually made by a hag. <laughs> it was the art in question, and someone had to sacrifice uh, three eyes, I believe, including one of her own. Yeah. Uh, to get it. So. It wasn't, wasn't just a hag, it was a hag that my druid had been having regular chats with, just over a yeah. convenient gem that we had found. Oh. <laughs> talking about, talking, going back to, like, you know, in-campaign drama. Like, yeah. <laughs> casual. Having con- convenient casual chats with this hag. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Yeah, in our first season, we uh, I trolled my players a little bit because there's a character who's kind of like the the alchemist arcanist, um, kind of local inventor character named Hokey, and he would always make these magical items, and he gets super excited about them, and they were magical, but they were also completely useless. Um, <laughs> they're the best. They're the best kind. So he gave he gave uh, one of the characters a ring of placement. And which they misheard as a ring of displacement, thinking that they could like, you know, like displacer beast style or maybe even teleport. And so there's big long thing about like, okay, how do I use this and everything? And they bring it back to Hoki and he's like, What's a ring of placement? Okay. You could place it on anything. It'll fit anything. It's just like got gears and it just expands and contracts and goes and he's like super excited about it and they're like, So it's it's not worth anything. He's like, Are you kidding me? It's worth everything and they're like, No, no, no. I love, I love Hokey. But that's just the whole character. He's just like, I made something cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> I remember, like, there's the table, I think, in, in the, like, either the Dungeon Master's Guide or one of the other D&D books of, like, the mundane magic items table. Yeah. Um, a, a favorite of our, of Chasing Tales is the Cloak of Billowing. Where yes. you, you use a bonus, you use a bonus action to make the cloak billow dramatically. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, it's you, the worst. You know, slash the, you know what the colloquial name for that is, right? Mm-hmm. Like what? What? That's the the Matrix cloak. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the Matrix that. cloak. You can stand I, there and it just billows. I, I thought you were making a cloak that. pun. No, 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 no. <laughs> People put it in campaigns so that they have like, they have like Keanu Reeves vibes. Like, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, understandable. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I I just do that on Halloween. Like, I actually have a cloak. I wear it on Halloween, and when I walk, when I take my kid trick or treating, it just whoosh, right out behind me. It's great. Yeah. It's the coolest awesome. thing ever. People move out of your way. It's great. <laughs> Second only to a dress that puffs out correctly when you spin. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> spinny dress. Yeah. It's not a spring. Super sad. Especially if you have, like, extra petticoats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just- 
What are the? I've forgotten the thing that you put under old dresses that make the that make the skirts go really big. Hoop skirts. Oh, the her- hoop skirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But so you can move and people will get out of your way because otherwise your skirt or will deck them. Yeah. Or if you want to, <laughs> if you want to go, if you want to go Regency, you just have like extra big hip pads that make you a rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's a proper way to like social distance. Right. There you just, go. Like, Go full eight. Go full eighties and have massive shoulder pads shoulder that are pads, just like yeah. sharpened to a point. Like <laughs> away, <laughs> like dish. Oh my goodness. Um, let's see. Uh, true staff. I made a homebrew item inspired by it called the hair clip of billowing. Literally the same thing for your hair to billow dramatically instead. <laughs> I remember that. There That's go. fantastic. I like that I a lot. That. All right, so we're Doug and I could not be using that. <laughs> well, Doug's like, mustache. Doug's mustache. This is true. Your mustache yeah, can go a little mustache. bit. I would like to see that, those. actually. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Um, Warrior Streak asked uh, What's the biggest character role challenge you have? Ooh. Character role challenge? Character role, R-O-L-E. Role challenge. I think for me, it's when I am playing, is I I want to create these characters who are kind of more like backliners or support or, you know, because, you know, being a DM most of the time, I'm doing a lot of the talking and kind of engaging constantly. And so I think like, okay, as a player, I'm going to want to step back and I'm going to sit that i'm gonna be quiet i just can't <laughs> it's just so hard and it's so hard to like see people making choices i'm like but i have an opinion about that <laughs> um and so it's you know as far as like the role that i play and maybe this isn't what you were meaning with your question but as far as the role i play in a group i, I think it's it's hard for me to not want to be assertive um and not in a steamrolling way of course but just like you know kind of being a go with the flow type character is really hard with me. Like I want to, I want to push and pull the threads and, and find out things, which I think is kind of one of the points of the game. But um, there have been a couple of games that I've been able to kind of like sit on my heels a little bit more and let other people drive. And it, it's made for some really cool RP moments because um, it allows you to be that kind of observant and then come in with a thought or come in with a question um, type character. And it's just, it's just against my nature and against my, <laughs> who I am as a person. And so like, it's a, it's a, it's a stretch for me to do. Not myself personally, but it's something that I've seen a lot and like experienced quite a bit with it as a DM is that especially like I've been playing TTRPGs for like 15 years, which that's like turpentine on my tongue to say that, that I'm that old, but it's nonetheless. Um, now when you're seeing new players come to the table, they're having a hard time with understanding that their choices have consequences. Mm-hmm. So like playing a tabletop game is not the same as playing like dragon age or Mm -hmm. like skyrim like you're not just hitting a button and getting loot like if your party is under attack and someone with mithril armor armor falls and you stop the battle to strip the body of the mithril armor like that shows that you don't care about your party you care more about yourself and like 
people have a hard time with that. And Luna played in a game with me and Doug too, where I had to jerk a couple people by their tail. And they're like, oh, you're being mean to my character. And I'm like, your actions have consequences because they made these big ballsy moves. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and did I not say, did I not say out of character, are you sure? Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. numerous times. <laughs> Are you before, sure? Yeah. Before they lock the before they back themselves into a corner, I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Yes. Are you positive? Yes. And then they then they got learned. Like yeah. they, they learned a lesson. And I find that that's something that if you're not aware of it, you might be doing it. <laughs> like you're just expecting things like poof magically to happen. Yeah. And it's something to bear in mind that if you aren't making your choices from the heart of your character and not from like your player brain, then you're probably not thinking in the right place. And you're actually probably not all that fun to play with. So like, like I hate to say it, I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but it's true. Like nobody likes sitting at a player with someone who's just like, metagaming when nobody else is metagaming and um that that i think is the biggest the biggest issue i've run into as of late is that people don't understand that like your your actions have consequences like you seduce yeah. the dragon and then what you know <laughs> like, yeah when well, you you hit the nail on the head with you know metagaming when no one else is metagaming because there is a case for a game where everybody sits down and goes, okay, we're you know we're optimizing everything. We're yeah, we're playing that's this how like a video. Everyone's playing, right? Exactly, and that I've done that, and it can be super fun. But but yes, Aww. everybody's on the same page. <laughs> that was I'm very sorry. cute. That was lovely. <laughs> that doesn't make up for the bullshit that he pulled on you, though. Just so he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> Uh, I was just I thinking think, like, oh go ahead I think for me like and I've I've called myself out on this before but I tend to either play characters who have uh, no emotions or too many emotions I can't do anything in between like they're either incredibly traumatized people who have way too many feelings about everything or they have perfectly normal adjusted backstories, um, but they're just very low charisma characters and they don't really talk to anyone. Um, I don't really do it in between. I don't do normal pe normal people, apparently. <laughs> um, and that is something I need to get better at because I'm either like very emotionally attached to everyone or very like stoic and not that easy to talk to, which is a problem. <laughs> I was just thinking about uh, um, it, it. This isn't really my character issue, but it was something that I saw come up on Twitter today, and it uh, it sort of got me thinking. Um, so there was a uh, basically a, a somebody tweeted out uh, saying D and D tip. Uh, I just happened to pull it up so I could read it and accurately describe it. Agency is only part of the game is the only part of the game that belongs to the players. Don't take it away. DMs determine options. Dice determine outcomes. Players are determining are determining choices. If you remove choices, you remove the player from the yep. game. <laughs> and I was like, "Yup." 
<laughs> um, I think it sort of goes along with like, you know, what Ray was saying just about, uh, you know, like it, you could have players that don't understand that your choices have consequences. You could also have a DM that doesn't give you player choices. <laughs> yeah. um, and oh, I've, pl- yeah. I've played with that DM before and it is not fun. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and you can, I actually stopped playing for quite some time. Cause I played with that DM and they made it, made me feel like it was my fault because mm-hmm. like I didn't go along. Like, my the way that I was taught to play TTRPGs is that they put you in a box and you're supposed to find a way out of it. Yeah. And like they had a specific way they wanted you to get out of it. And if you didn't do it that way, it was just like bad. And I absolutely agree with that. Like that's that's so important. Like if you're DMing, you have to let the characters now like there are times and I get it that you have to kind of like put a wall up in order to like point things in a certain direction but for the most part like if you're railroading people all the time that's not fun either it's also not cool you're probably lame if you do that well and here's an example of like the out of the box thinking it's like I was I was DMing today for my my seven year old son and a friend of his um, we're doing their very first campaign via Zoom. Aww. And so I give them their first skeleton encounter. Okay, you're good. You have to, there's skeletons to the east. You have to go take care of them. Uh, we're going to learn how to do combat and stuff. So what do they sit and do? Well, skeleton... Well, animals like meat. So if we get a bunch of meat and we put it on the skeletons, <laughs> then the wolves will come and they'll eat the skeletons. Incredible. And, and I'm sitting Incredible. there going... I've how many hours of D&D have I played and I've never thought, I mean, would that work? Probably not, but like, maybe it would. Like, I've never thought of anything like that, and it's like, if I as a DM then go, nah, guys, you can't do that. Come on. Like, no, go hit him with your sword. It's like, that that, that completely ruins the point of them using their creativity. And that's children who are kind of, you know, they don't have any preconceived notions. But I think a lot of new players are like that as well, where they they have that childlike mind of they're just discovering this for the first time. And if you shoot that down too early and you, oh, no, 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 that's not how the rule, the world works. It's like, well, okay, then you've just made them, you just keep telling them no when all they wanted to do was to do something cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really Some like, the, sorry, oh, you go ahead. I really like the table that I'm playing at now with the way that Dev does inspiration, that it doesn't give you advantage on a roll. You can use it to make things happen in the world. So oh. he'll give you inspiration for something. And we're doing an adventure where it's like, you know, going through these mountains and we have these like elven twins that we need to protect. And my my character is a Yeti who has who's like very enthralled with like humankind and his name is Gregory Never Greg. And he <laughs> he um he is a um he's a warlock and his patron it's a long story, but he's like a genie type warlock. So he has this spell book. Um that he can do magical respite in which like you can stay in this object for four hours so there at the end of the last session it was obvious like 
something big and bad was coming and these twins are soft and squishy and I'm like I would like to burn inspiration to use my magical respite to put the twins in my book and he was like okay <laughs> like yeah. so like it, I I love exactly what you're talking about like taking those thoughts like I burned an inspiration in that same game because he put into canon that these twins had like the best like the the cool north face like the best of the best like outdoor gear and it was like douchily enchanted so like the the snow didn't actually settle on them and I I burned an inspiration and I'm like can we say the brand is called Argonauts? I'm like, can we say that they have the line of Argonauts that if they fall, Featherfall is activated? And he's like, we sure can. So like, like I'm putting, I'm not doing anything for my character and I'm not being yeah. like edgy and weird, but I'm putting all these things in place and I'm like, how do we keep these squishy elven twins from like being an alien dog snack? Cause like, that's what's, that's what's stalking us. But I love that. And I love any DM that will hear out just shenanigans and be like, okay, like, <laughs> tell me how that happens. Yeah, the level of shenanigans that a DM is willing to put up with and or encourage uh, is, uh, is really important to me going into a game. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, 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 like, I need a level of shenanigans that if we don't reach that level, I feel like I'm not playing. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. What is this bullshit? There are no shenanigans happening right now. <laughs> Bring me the shenanigans. <laughs> Bring me the shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, on a t-shirt. We, we, we yes, have that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> we have a very chaotic bard and a chaotic curious druid, so we get plenty of shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes there's a lady at the party who's like drenched in in transmutation magic, and sometimes you got to dispel that and oops the lady's an ancient green dragon whoopsie like oh, no. it happens sometimes oopsie, it's not your she, fault she destroys a lovely lady's house and then a bunch of her guests get killed oh no <laughs> sometimes you uh. have a party that has a druid who thinks that they're a wizard and that managed to cast sleep on a door mimic oh no <laughs> I did that playing a very short game with Meg and uh it was very entertaining. Was Everybody very was like, fun. and the door fell asleep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, my uh, my dumb himbo did then walk into the next room and immediately release the undead that were in the wall. So, you know, we kind of needed it. <laughs> Balance. I have a one shot I run called the Ultimate Chaos Game, which is a, a dungeon crawl. Um, and one of the rooms is the polymorph room. And basically, it. basically <laughs> the room itself casts polymorph on the party every minute oh or whatever while they try to get out. Oh, and oh no! It's the the last time I ran it, one of the party members ended up becoming a killer whale and just kind of <laughs> flopping around until they broke the door down. It was great. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah, it was just um. As far as like going back to character roles that and things like that, um, just like the general conversation. Um, so the character role I generally struggle to play is characters who are mean to people. 
I don't like being mean to people because the thought of people not liking me makes me want to cry. Oh, um, same. Oh my god, so, same. Um, so playing a character who is, you know, like, I'm going to betray the party, or I don't care about you guys, or I actively don't like you, just like, it hurts me. And I know it's not real, and I know my players don't hate me because I'm not an idiot. But there's like, a player in character can say one cruel sentence, and it's like, well, guess I'm gonna go cry for four hours. Um, yeah. But it it reminded me, and kind of the talk of like, you know, it's it's the same with DMing, and I don't know why, of like, I, I can play cartoony villains, but as soon as I play a villain that is slightly too mean and slightly too personal, I'm like, well, people hate me now. <laughs> um, but there was a, a thing that came up, I think in actually the LARP that I attend, where people were talking about how to play a character that's a villain and how to be how to do that and how to make a fun story out of playing a character that is a villain. And the two things of keep you keep in mind are drive it like you stole it and be the villain in someone's story. Um, mm. And the idea of like using those as character concepts as a player and as a GM is so fascinating to me and like especially the idea of drive it like you stole it and using that and driving with that and kind of as we were talking about you know like using those roles effectively and as a gm and as a player it's something that really fascinates me but i've never been able to do successfully like be be that knife twisty mean character without feeling like crap about myself <laughs> It's I, think it's I think something to think about when you're looking at like all right so um you don't know what your good you don't know what your protagonist is capable of until you've put them through hell and you don't know what your party is capable of till you've put them through hell Yep. And the only way that you're going to put your character or your party through some some compelling hell is for it to be personal. Mm. And so your good guy is only as good as your bad guy. Mm -hmm. your, your protagonist is only as mighty as the foe that they have to overcome. And like they're only as clever as the villain they have to outsmart. And so, in order to make your protagonist look the best they possibly can, your villains have to be fully fleshed out. Like your 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 villains have to be, <clears throat> excuse me, real and earnest in flesh and blood. Otherwise, the stakes are just cartoons. Mm. And so, like one of the things where I mean, I'm a fairly nice guy. I try not to be a jerk, you know. But like, if I'm making a bad guy, if I'm making a if my antagonists are going to be just gd antagonists you know what i mean like that it's because because otherwise i'm not doing my protagonists any justice and i'm not showing faith in my players and i'm not showing faith in their characters if i don't give them something challenging and mm -hmm. real yeah. Yeah. that's really think, good advice doug thank you it is <laughs> i think that's, that that for me was one of the hardest things about running curse of strad because the whole point of Barovia as a setting is that it's incredibly demoralizing. Yes. Like, it's not fun. Most of the NPCs aren't nice to you. It's not a pleasant place to be. And that is the whole campaign. The whole point of it is that you feel like you're in this, like, awful demoralizing place the whole time. And then when you finally get to the end, the villain fucks with you. Like, until the last second. Like, the most 
fucking annoying ability that Strahd von Zarevich has is being able to, if you fight him in Castle Ravenloft, he can merge in and out of the walls and the floor yeah. as much as he wants to. As just as like a, a legendary action. And that is so annoying. My players had to fight him three times before he finally died. <laughs> like, it is so frustrating. And it's so hard because you're watching your players and they're like so like demoralized and frustrated and you're like, yeah. I want you to win, I do, but also this guy is a shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's but it's funny because like I've run Curse of Strahd and I unfortunately made the mistake of using it for a group's very first campaign. Um, and they just and they had fun for a while and then the tone just became too much and the and the group ended up falling apart and like I did start to like add some levity and some side quests and like change things up a little bit but it is a like you do have to be careful with you know some groups and it's totally okay like some groups are just not here for that um, yeah. And some totally are. And, like, I can't find people to play Vampire the Masquerade with because, like, no one wants to go there. You know what I mean? I do! I do! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Hello! Hello! <laughs> it's me! Hello! <laughs> How me, Meg, and Luna were all immediately like me. <laughs> Came out of the screen at me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I it's am, like I am that person on the internet. That is the, I'm the vampire bitch. It's yeah. me. Well, I'm pretty sure it literally says like in her in her chat thing, like not her chat thing, but like her status thing on on Discord, like currently says like still searching for vampires or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, my, my my Twitter yeah. bio, the first yeah. line is your friendly neighborhood vampire. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like everything that I like, we we figured it out in like the 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 non men of chasing tales. If it's like Prue has the fairies, I have the ghosts. Meg has the vampires, and we like <laughs> converge. Yeah. Oh, what's that show? What's that show where they all live in the same house? Oh, um, I know what you're being talking human. about. Being human, yeah, yeah, being human. You are the that. being human of TTRPG shows. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Fun oh, fact, no, I went to high school with the guy who played the werewolf in the US version of that show. Really? Yeah. Oh. That's wild. Yeah. He was good. <laughs> yeah. I I think when it comes to bad guys, the thing that especially if you're doing like face to face where people are um like you need to when you're writing things or you don't have the the ability to intonate, sometimes you have to lay it on a little thicker. Mm. But, like, to me, the best villains are the Moriarty's of the world. Mm. Like, smart and witty and quick and not afraid to show their face. They show up and have, like, a pithy conversation and, like, don't be afraid to be that kind of bad guy. Like, mm. be, like smooth and suave and blend in and out like not everybody has to be Cruella de Vil and Snidely Whiplash like yeah. it can it, I I have had some of the best success with being that kind of bad guy mm-hmm. like just smooth as silk and yeah I don't know it's that it's, scene in Game of Shadows where Moriarty and Holmes do the like the 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 thinking fight right and they go back and mm. forth i think one reason that moriarty works so well as a villain in there is that yes he is smart and just but he's also physically capable and he pairs those things together and mm-hmm. it's like you, you could say it's a little op but like 
yeah, if you can get a villain who, like, can talk a good game and then back it up, a.k.a. a Strahd von Zarovich, um, you know, that's it's iconic for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's some of, like, it's frustrating because some of the most fun I ever have as a player in TTRPGs is the moments where, like, your DM is portraying a villain and you're having a conversation and you are, like, they're making you sweat. Like, yeah. it's it's... It was in, like, my DM in my Vampire the Masquerade game showing up as, like, my character's abusive sire. It was um, Andrew in our D&D campaign showing up as the Mind Flayer for the first time. It's some of the best moments is, like, those one-on-one conversations. We had a recent one um, where he was playing a Dao, like, a, of, of the Plane of Earth. Who, If you know anything mm-hmm. about Dao, they are awful. They're like Assholes. they're lawful. I think they're like lawful evil. They're all about sl- they're slavers. They they're the worst kinds of people. And watching him embody that character, like even on the other side of the screen, I was there like shaking. And my, I want to get that as a DM as well. So angry. Yeah, I want to. I want to get good at that as a DM. I want to be able to give as well as I take on that front. And that's what I struggle with, and that's what I want, what I really want to try and learn as a GM is how to how to get those moments, how to make the players react like I react to a villain, and yeah. with without yeah. feeling like oh no, please oh, don't be angry with me. I'm sorry. I love you. I really. Love you, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my problem with uh, running Curse of Strahd is he's he's a very charismatic. Uh, you know, will turn up and have a chat and then disappear kind of villain. Uh, but I'm not very charismatic, so <laughs> I have to, like, plan my encounters and my, like, script them. Because you write I, out your villain speech beforehand. <laughs> I have to, because otherwise yeah. if I try and improvise it, I'll be like, Daha, you never saw me coming, goodbye. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll like fuck the- it up. <laughs> The cat, the like cat from Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, like Monty Python goes to Barovia. I want to, I want to do, I want to see someone play through Curse of Strahd, where everything is the same except Strahd is the count from Sesame Street. Oh my god! I, I actually have a working, like a working thing with Luna and Wolf's Blood to do. Um, my Little Pony Tales of Equestria, but set it in Ravenloft. Oh! <laughs> play the whole game as My Little Ponies. Oh my goodness. Amazing. That would be... That sounds amazing. We've I been- will say, if you end up doing the count thing, mm-hmm. you could have the DM actually have the puppet. Have the puppet! Ah, and bring so it good. up every time. Oh my god. I'm just now picturing if you carry on doing it over Zoom of it, just the it just being like that. <laughs> oh gosh all right um i want to jump in because we had two more questions come up and somebody just used and asked my question next so uh unicorn a la mode i saw your question come in we will likely not have time to get to it but what i will do is i will post it on our twitter tomorrow and i will tag everybody in it and they can answer it on twitter if they have a minute so um so we will do that um, but Jim the Dim uh, would like to know what is your I- IRL God stat? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> hmm. Charisma. Mine's charisma. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yours is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I'm charismatic all day long. I'm not always particularly smart, and I am not always particularly uh, wise. But I am I am very charismatic, and uh, that would be I would be a charisma based character. For it's sure. a good stat to have just in day to day life. Yeah, I mean it gets me into and out of a lot of trouble, so it's. Hmm. <laughs> it's it's not a bad stat for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm. I'm like I, I reckon I'm also a I reckon I also am charisma, but um, but I I really think a lot of it has to do with this mustache gives me like plus two to so many things. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. Like so many things. I mean, it, it's it's got next too. I mean, don't let's not you know. I don't go to the park alone and like. <laughs> I um I don't drive cars without windows, but like I'm 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 a charisma based person. So if you guys want a good time, you need to follow Doug on Twitter because like every other day or so, he makes a dadcore wizard post and they're hilarious. They're so it's funny. Like, <laughs> like dadcore wizard casts that a boy that or that a boy champ like. Plus two oh. to like, there. It's just, it's really sweet. One, one was like, "Go ask your mother." Like, it's just, <laughs> it's good stuff. Oh, good. <laughs> the one was uh, was casting leftover Mancy, and that's when yes. you um, that's when you, that's when you open up a refrigerator of holding and pull out uh, two d four random ingredients and uh, and have to make a passable meal. Yep. <laughs> In my house, we call that it's chopped for dinner night. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, you have to tell them what you call it when you make so, leftovers okay. for food. Oh, y'all. oh, man. Okay. So, like, I grew up. All right. So, I had a lot of hamburger helper growing up. That's sort of the kind of house I grew up in. And, uh,. And now uh, I still kind of have a hankering for that sort of uh, that sort of food because you know it's comfort food or whatever. But what I like to do is I like to take um, and make like a hamburger helper, but like really like but not use the box stuff. Like use like good meat and like good noodles and like good cheese and like like just make like a skillet thing, right? And I call it hamburger hell yeah. And that's, um, yeah, I do that about once a week. I make hamburger hell yeah about once a week. I love and, it. Sounds uh, good. You know, it's and good. It's good Doug to take your lunch and stuff. Doug and I are friends in real life, so I'll get text messages, and it's like hamburger hell yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm probably oh, it sounds douchey saying this, but I'm probably intelligence based. I was good at school. No, I'd agree and... with that. You're a smart dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was good at school, and I like I'm analytical, and I like kind of breaking down problems from like a puzzle standpoint with like my games and everything. And um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's God stat, but that's that's kind of how I get by with things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mine would now would probably be wisdom. Um, cause like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I've had a very, a very long life so far. I've not, but I've done, I've done a decent amount. And like, I know I've done, I've done a lot of weird things of like, I've done like survival skills courses. I'm a trained lifeguard. I know a lot about, you know, kind of the, the natural world because my, my mother's partner is, um, is like a tree surgeon and a wood carver. So I've picked up lots of little 
tidbits that kind of add together to more in like worldly wisdom than intelligence. However, before I started uni and before the pandemic, it would have been dexterity because um, I was a professional circus performer. Um, no way! Yeah, um, before the before the pandemic and before I started university, back when I was kind of, I, I started doing um, circus when I was about ten or eleven, and then when I was sixteen, started teaching and performing. When I was eighteen, became a qualified teacher, and then had to stop when I went to university. Um, but yeah, I I was an aerial circus performer, and I would do like trapeze wow. and silks and stuff. So dexterity was my god stat because I was training four times a week and teaching kids and it was like a massive joy in my life and then I started and then there's a lot of jokes that some of the kids I used to teach make whereas I was running away from the circus to go to university <laughs> um, and they kept making jokes about it and I miss it every day that I don't have the, the time and space and money to do that anymore so now I've, I've gone I think from like a monk to to a druid in my uh, in the last few years <laughs> as yeah, I've gone from, from druids. that we love we druids do though we do Druids are my favorite class. They are. They're my favorite. I love them. Um, I think I'm kind of similar in that, like, I think my god stat probably used to be strength uh, because I was an athlete from the age of 10 until I was about 18. Uh, and I used to do middle distance, which is arguably the hardest. Um, and I was training like six, seven days a week for about eight years. So I used to be very strong. Um, but then I waltzed into the corporate world and now I hate myself. Um, but Ain't uh, that but just think, the way? Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, like IRL, it would probably be wisdom also, but for slightly different reasons because... Uh, like I said, I I actually didn't go to uni, so I immediately went into uh, work as soon as I left school. So I have a lot of compar- comparable to a lot of people my age. I have a lot more like working experience as an adult, um, but I also, as opposed to being a an intelligence type person where I can keep a lot of information in my brain and I'm you know uh, good at you know keeping keeping that and being able to pull it out whenever i want uh i'm more of an analytical person so like if you let me study information and you give it to me for long enough i'll give you something good at the end of it as long as you (laughs) don't try and make me remember it (laughs) (laughs) like I'll, i'll read a book and sit down and write you a real nice essay, but if you ask me to talk about it three weeks later, you're getting nothing. Uh, <laughs> absolutely nothing. That sounds a lot no. like me, Meg. <laughs> I'm very much the um, same way. Yeah, like, as, as one, when I'm doing something, it's it's in, but once I've done it, it's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. No more. Um, which is which is fine for when... Uh, for for my vocation, which is uh, largely events and hospitality, because that means like the event is now, and when the event is done, it doesn't matter anymore. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Yeah. If I have the time, just because I'm curious, uh, can I ask everyone quickly what their dump stat would be? Go for to it. Counter oh. that, because mine, mine is mine is absolutely constitution, because I am sick all the time. I like I I don't I don't drink I don't like I don't even drink I don't drink alcohol I don't drink coffee I don't smoke I get headaches all the time and I'm constantly cold 
like I have like at max a six constitution. Like <laughs> I'm a frail little being. <laughs> Mine's either Dex or Con. Um uh, yeah, but the the men in my family are not built to be fast or limber. <laughs> we, we are stocky, um, so but but I'm also sick a lot too, which is it's honestly mm. been bizarre. Like being with the pandemic and like staying inside. Like I didn't get the yeah. flu this year for the first time in it's crazy. Who knows how long? Yeah. So I've not had yeah. a cold in so long. Yep, it's yep. weird. <laughs> yep. I think Dex, Nobody wants to go I there. think Dex would be my dump stat because I am ridiculously accident prone. Like <laughs> I, I I joke about it, but true story, I tore my ACL, uh, sprained my MCL and got a bone bruise by standing up on a plane once. Like oh, the plane was stopped. Real. It was at the gate. I had just arrived. I was standing up to D D What's the word? Deplane. Deplane. Disembark. Deplane. Yeah, I'm saying disembark, and then I'm like, that would be more for a boat, I think. But either way, that would be the difference between UK English and American English. It was. (laughs) I was gonna say deboard, but then I'm like, is that even a word? Um, (laughs) No, ma'am. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, bad deck said in chat. Luna's just broken. Please fix. Um, (laughs) True story. I was on a on a business trip to. to Chicago. I live uh, slightly north of Boston and I got on the plane. Everything was fine. I arrive in Chicago. I stand up and boom, like my leg goes out from underneath me. I literally just stood up. The woman across the aisle was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I think I just need to wait until everybody else gets off the plane first. Thanks. (laughs) Oh no. I was okay, but I did end up having knee surgery that following January. So, oh no. Yeah. When I I pulled my MCL, I mean, it was during a basketball game, but it wasn't doing anything athletic. I literally, the tip off happened and I turned to run up the court. And I pulled my MCL. Yeah, and I was like, "What? These are dumb." It always ha- it happens at, at like it happens at the times if, if you do things like you know it happens at the times you don't expect it. Again, when yeah. I was the, when I was doing aerial and doing circus, which is massively physical, like physically exerting. The worst injury I ever had was when I tore my hamstring falling down the stairs at six at uh, sixth form at college. I just slipped <laughs> down the stairs. Oh. And and tore it and couldn't walk properly for six months and oh. it was like the worst injury I'd ever had. Yeah, so this, like this is... I'm I'm the opposite of you guys because previous to where I live now and what I do now, I ran a dressage facility for three years. Um, I've worked with my foot broken. I've I've broken ribs. Um, I. I've been thrown from so many horses. I've had my feet stepped on. I've been bit all over the place. I'm a competitive power lifter, so I'm really strong. And I'm I'm wise, but I'm not always smart. So <laughs> intelligence would be my dump set. Because, like, I am the most kind and empathetic person you'll ever want to meet. But there are times where people will say something to me and I'm just like, I like my partner is a very smart person and he says stuff to me and I'm like, you, you need to break that down Barney style. Like I need simpler instructions. ELI (laughs) five, man. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I feel that, uh, Andrew is, is an engineer. 
and I don't understand a lot of the things that come out of his mouth. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> um, but I think my dump stat for sure is dexterity. I am constantly covered in bruises. I walk into walls that I know exist. Um, and yet, better than ones you uh, don't know exist. Yeah, right. That would be worse. We'll say yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like that happens a lot. It's it. I had a similar thing where like um, I've I've broken plenty of bones just from like falling over. Um, but I was working a Christmas shift. Uh, at like a big department store in the UK uh, called Next um, and I was working uh, in the stock rooms so it was all like you know folding clothes stocking shelves, stocking racks blah 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 um, I hadn't had an injury for a hot minute because again I had like just come come out from like being an athlete for 8 years uh, I worked in a stock room for 3 weeks and got tendonitis Ooh. Yeah. yeah, and couldn't walk for like six weeks. Oh. Um, yeah, so that was that was fun. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I've broken at least three fingers, two toes, um, an elbow, a wrist, and I also have old lady joints. So uh, I'm with you on like, the old lady joints. <laughs> I, I'm I'm undiagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I have scoliosis. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, like all of my joints are out of place, constantly aching. I'm just 90 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ben, my eyes secretly. Yeah, it's that moment where you crouch down and you bend your knees, and then suddenly there's like a like the dance fight from West Side Story starts happening because they're clicking so much. (laughs) Oh, the glow stick effect! Where you get up in the morning and it's like cracking a fist full of glow sticks. Yeah. All right. No, but my my is like. I can't stand up at a concert for three hours because my back hurts so bad. I have to sit on the floor and hope people don't step on me. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. Um, All right. Well, we are fresh out of time. We're actually over by a little bit, but that's okay because this was fun. Um, So, Ray, we got to draw another winner. Um, We do. We do. So, uh, exclamation point ticket, last call for winning. uh, Hurry, hurry. The, the very cool little, what'd you call it? Adorable little nightmare? Oh, he's a sweet little nightmare. Sweet little nightmare. Sweet little nightmare. <laughs> um, so go ahead and get your entries in. There's a lot of... The odds are very good, right? The odds are in your favor, people. Um, <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> that was a creepily good impression. Thank you. <laughs> I have a couple I can do very well, and that's one of them. That's one of them. All right, I'm going to close the giveaway. And drum roll, please. Vertrox Nightblood. <laughs> hey. So. <laughs> Sorry, Yachts. I closed it already. <laughs> uh, Vertrox, are you there? there we go all right all right cool um so uh if you would like to get in touch um e uh message one of our mods and we will get the exchange <gasps> Tolliver's of information. here hi Tolliver. hi Tolliver. and uh and we will we will get that all uh all set up um, so what I'm going to do at this point is I am going to ask everybody just again to go around and remind us of who you are and where we can find you online. Um, Ray, we're going to start with you. I'm Ray Mayhem. You can find me 
pretty much everywhere on Ray as Ray Mayhem. I'm on um, Twitter and I'm in all of Luna's channels. Um, say hey. That's about all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming to hang out with me again. <laughs> Any, literally anytime. Girl, I got you. I know. I know. Uh, Meg. <laughs> Hello, uh, I am Meg. You can find me pretty much everywhere as My Lady Meg in some iteration. Uh, sometimes there's a cosplay on the end. Um, I am a cosplayer. I'm a TTRPGer. I play a lot of games over on Chasing Tales. Um, and yeah, at the moment I'm doing a uh, makeup body painting series based on the deck of many things from D&D. And based uh, on a deck by the wonderful Ramona, who goes by Older Doodle. Uh, she makes these like beautiful, like gold, shiny, foily, lovely things. Um, and I'm putting these on my face. So <laughs> if you want to see me do that, come hang out, I guess. It's actually super fun. I've watched her do it before. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, next we'll head over to Doug. So I'm Doug. You can find me on Twitter at DougGBQ, uh, or you can go to our main uh, uh, podcast handle, which is GBQ Pod. Uh, y'all should come hang out. We uh, we also have a we have a, a Discord uh, channel that we uh, that we have some shenanigans in sometimes. So y'all should hang out. But yeah, find find us on Twitter and um, come listen to the show because it's pretty good. All right. Uh, Doug, thank you for coming back, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And uh, let's see. Andrew, we'll head over to you. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm Andrew from The First Watch, an actual play cinematic web series and podcast. Uh, You can find us at on Twitter, The First Watch, or actually First Watch Show on Twitter, and then YouTube, The First Watch. Um, And our second episode of season two is Tuesday at 8 p.m., uh, on YouTube, so would love to see some folks there. And uh, yeah, there's a recap of season one on the channel as well, so you can get all caught up. There you go. All right. And Rowan, we'll finish off with you. Yeah, uh, I'm Rowan. You can find me on Twitter at RowanMay underscore. Uh, and then you can also find me with Chasing Tales along with Meg. We are Chasing Tales RPG on Twitter and Twitch and Instagram everywhere we've also got a link to our public discord come hang out it's a good time uh and you can also find me with witchingcraft games uh they are on twitter at witch n like the letter n witch n craft and on twitch at witch and craft games we are doing a lot of fun stuff at the moment um the game uh that we just put out 12 in the demons has come out and is getting shipped now it's very exciting we've got other things in the works as well as streams and things. So yes, Chasing Tales RPG, Witch and Craft Games. Come find me. All right. Well, thank you guys all so much for coming to hang out with me tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Great conversation. Um, and I hope you all had uh, as good a time as I did. Um, yeah. So this is thank Tales you, from Luna. the Tavern. Yeah, thank yes. you guys. Um, this is Tales from the Tavern. We're here every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, I don't even know what time that is in Hawaii anymore. Bat Duck, you're on your own. And... Um, <laughs> and uh, you can also find our uh, our stream on Tuesday nights, which is Ripples in the Gray. That's our Star Wars um, Fantasy Flight Games system that just started a couple weeks ago. 
And so uh, you can check us out there uh, also at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then on Wednesday nights, we have 50 Shades of Crimson, which is our Pathfinder first edition campaign. Um, And you can find us there again at 8 p.m. Eastern. So thank you all for coming to hang out with us. We are going to uh, we're going to go raid uh, a friend of of the channel, uh, Tog DM, Totally Online Gaming Group. So let me start that off. Um, and let's see, raid. <laughs> I can words. <laughs> there we go. And uh, I hope you guys all have a wonderful evening. Thanks so much for joining in. And uh, if you this is your first time here, we hope we see you again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tales from the Tavern. If you ever have a question you'd like our group to answer or would like us to add something to the podcast conversation, feel free to reach out to us at anchor.fm forward slash tavern tales or look us up on Twitter at shared exp RPG. You just may hear it answered or even included on the podcast. Thanks so much. That's not a turtle. <laughs>